I'm Katherine Spearing, and this is Uncertain. Well, hello. Welcome. If this is the first time you are listening to Uncertain, or perhaps it has been a while, Uncertain is the affiliate podcast of an organization called Tears of Eden. Tears of Eden is a community and resource for survivors of spiritual abuse, religious abuse, religious trauma, and the way the podcast participates in that is we have interviews with authors, artists, experts, survivors to provide resources for survivors to understand their experience and also to validate the experience of survivors. So this is for survivors and hopefully for folks who are their allies and supporting them as well. I am your host. I am a certified trauma recovery coach. I'm also the founder of Tears of Eden, and I'm really happy that you are here. Welcome to 2024 and Spiritual Abuse Awareness Month. Did you know that January is Spiritual Abuse Awareness Month? We're kicking off this season and this month with my new friend and colleague, Brian Lee, who is the host of Broken to Beloved and the cohort through. You may remember it from last year, last spring. If you like the F word and like the real F word, like the F bomb, you're probably going to say it a lot while you're listening to this episode. Okay. I said it a lot while I was editing the episode. Brian shares his personal story of experiencing spiritual abuse And he talks about what led him to start Broken to Beloved, which is an online summit and support resource for survivors. This episode is going to blow your socks off. At least it did for me. So I hope you enjoy. As always, take care of yourself. Make sure that you have resources. Go for a walk. Take a sip of water. Breathe. You're okay. You're okay wherever you are. You are safe. You are safe right now, right here. You're okay. Without further ado, here is my interview with Brian Lee. Hey, Brian. Hey, Catherine. How's it going? Going all right. How about you? Doing, doing well. Doing, doing okay for. Doing okay. For a Tuesday. It's It's just. (laughs) (laughs) For the end of the month slash year slash the world is losing its mind. Right. I know like there's been a lot of moments this week where uh, somebody will say something about Christmas and I'm like, oh, that's that's on Sunday. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we are. We are still. There is still Christmas. It is still. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, thanks for joining me. I am really excited to talk to you about your summit that you are hosting and curating in January for Spiritual Abuse Awareness Month. At the time this episode comes out, it will already be January. So I'm really excited to hear about that. I got to participate in that last year. We'll be participating again this year. Great time to just connect with other people working in this spiritual abuse recovery, religious trauma recovery space, and also Spiritual Abuse Awareness Month for folks who are not aware is Mm -hmm. in January. And we were talking before we started recording about when we first heard about Spiritual Abuse Awareness Month. When when was it for listeners that you first heard about it? 
I just learned about it last year because, and I, but to be fair, I've only been doing this work for about a year now. I wish I knew about it sooner. And I think we were both saying it's like, we can't find who originated this thing, but it's been around for at least 20 years, which to me is crazy. Yeah. I learned about it because of Aaron Hung, who's an artist who was doing that whole A to Z trauma recovery series on her Instagram page. And I was like, spiritual abuse awareness month, that's a thing. And then the more I dove into it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is absolutely a thing. And it's been around a long time. And why do we not know more about it? <laughs> exactly. I was wondering too, when when did that book, the oldest probably documented writing about spiritual abuse is probably The Subtle Power of Spiritual Abuse, I That's think. That's what I was thinking, yep. And that was- I think 80s. it was written in the 90s, I want to say. 90s, okay. I'm going to look for a publication date because I want to be yeah. sure. Um, yeah, it's, But it's I remember reading 90s. it thinking, I was like, did they just write this like a year ago? And it's like, no, it's been around <laughs> for a very long time. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then even just like the reality that PTSD was not an official diagnosis until the 80s. Yes, like, yes. We're very new in this trauma world. Yes. We're all very new to this. This is a new new territory for all of us. Did you did you find the, the date? Amazon says the publication date is 2005, but that seems really? late to me. I feel like it was before that. It has a so very gonna... 90s cover. It does, which is why I feel like it is. <laughs> So now I'm opening my Kindle to look for the actual copyright date on the inside of it. Yeah, maybe there was, um, that was the most recent publication. That's what I'm wondering. Library, look for the yellow book right there. The yellow book. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what I call it. The yellow book. Copyright page, 1991. You were right. Boom, boom, boom. First time. First time, yeah. So I guess that's the first time that that became something that people and were... for reference to me that feels like 10 years ago but it's 32 years ago yeah. 1991. <laughs> yes so I that, know. that tells I you how old doesn't i am feel like that long ago but no because it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> yeah i know because i'm like i've lived yeah i've lived longer in the 2000s than i lived in the in the hundred in the 1900s, 1900s. <laughs> it's been a while. It's How dare while. you? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are. We are. We're getting. We're getting out there. We're getting out there. Yes, yes, uh, we are. <laughs> you may already know this, but the Uncertain Podcast is the affiliate podcast of Tears of Eden, a nonprofit that serves as a community and resource for survivors of spiritual abuse. This podcast and the work of Tears of Eden are supported by donations from generous listeners like you. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider giving a donation by using the link in the show notes or visiting tearsofeden.org slash support. You can also support the podcast by rating and leaving a review and sharing on social media. If you're not already following us, please follow us on Facebook at Tears of Eden and Instagram at Uncertain Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. And now back to the show. Speaking of age, actually, I have nothing nothing to say about age. Um, I'm just trying to segue <laughs> talking about Broken to Beloved, which mm -hmm. is your summit that's coming up. And to get us started, I would love to hear whatever you feel comfortable sharing about your spiritual abuse story and yeah. how can you, you said that you discovered this word or this phrase, spiritual abuse, this term fairly recently, when did you, maybe just to start out, when did you first hear the term and did you have an aha moment like many of us do? Gosh, when did I first hear the term? I honestly don't even know, but it was probably from one of the books that I started reading. 
mm-hmm. that validated that experience for me. Um, it might have been KJ Ramsey's book, mm-hmm. The Lord is My Courage. And I read it more as a, oh, maybe this will help me in a dark season. And that's one of my favorite Psalms anyway. So, and then I didn't realize she was going to go into their whole spiritual abuse story. Mm. And then I am a person who reads all the footnotes and then goes and finds all the primary resources and reads those. You're the author's favorite reader. (laughs) (laughs) They were like, we put this in here for you. (laughs) Yes. Well, and that's, I love footnotes. So, so because of her, I think is, is how I found the subtle power of spiritual abuse. And then from there, I went down the rabbit hole. I I mean, something's not right. Redeeming power, church called Tove, try softer, narcissism comes to church, you know, all these books. And now in the last two years, I've read over 45 books on that topic, Mm -hmm. which seems overwhelming because it kind of is, but it all came out of my personal experience, right? So I left my last church in July of 2021. I had been there for just about three years, I think. And I walked into that church. My wife and I both moved here saying to each other, it would be really nice if this works out. Mm. And Mm. if it doesn't, because we've already been hurt before, I think we're done with ministry for a while. Mm. Which feels kind of crazy to walk into a church saying that. Like this is the last stop. Yes, basically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not indefinitely, not forever, but for a while, we're going to just give this a break because we're done. And so, you know, my story goes back over 10 years now, I think. I worked at a Christian college as the marketing, as the graphic designer for the marketing department. I had also attended and graduated from that college, which isn't unusual, but it was a completely different experience being a student there than it was being on staff there. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what to do with the cognitive dissonance of looking at leaders that I respected and admired who seemed to preach the gospel and talk about servant leadership and humility and all these things. But then I would be sitting in meetings. I was like, I don't know who this person is who is so angry and belittling and demeaning and authoritarian and all these pieces. Mm-hmm. And so finally leaving that environment. To, I oh, need ahead. to ask you a question, just like following up on that, because I feel like that's such a common theme mm-hmm. of like the, what you preach and what you teach is not who you are. Yep. And I, I just, I just hear that all the time and just was talking to someone about the other day about her father, who was a pastor and he, mm. he was a pastor and he would preach these things about like parenting. And then he would like not be that type of parent. And I'm just curious from the experience that you had, what, what is your take on that of like, what, like you obviously know what's right where where is this disconnect happening because you can preach it enough to convince people then what's happening here what's your take on that my take for the last two or three years now has been it all boils down to the need for power and control Mm, and this message is going to work and this message is going to work and so the the secondary or maybe even tertiary word that comes out of that is optics Mm-hmm. It all comes down to optics and the way things look and appear so that I can maintain power and control. Mm-hmm. And so if I can maintain this image of, then I will continue to have power and control and influence over these people mm-hmm. as long as they don't see behind the curtain. And if they do see behind the curtain, it doesn't matter because I control them anyway, because I'm their boss, mm-hmm. right? Or because I'm their spiritual authority or leader or whatever it is. So I, it's recognized. 
man, there's so many ways I can go. So the last pastor I had would often say things like, when I first started, he's like, you have to recognize the hats that you wear when you walk into a room. So I know that I'm the pastor, so I know that there's a power dynamic. So I have to be aware that when I'm leading a conversation or that there's going to be a shift in something somewhere. But then this is the same guy who would absolutely manipulate that power that dynamic. Power dynamic. Yeah. Or pretend that he was the servant or the victim or the the low man on the totem pole. It's like you you don't get it both ways. Like so yeah. so I know that you cognitively know these things to be true, mm -hmm. and yet I see you do the polar opposite, mm -hmm. um, and then use those things to twist them to your advantage. Yes, in the way of whether ignorantly or intentionally, both are worse, harming mm -hmm. someone else in the process. Yeah. And that is the crux of spiritual abuse and why it is, it is. so devastating and so damaging yep. and so complex and so confusing is yep. like these people are preaching these good messages that they are aware mm -hmm. are quote unquote good messages, but mm -hmm. using that intentionally to manipulate and control people. So then these good messages suddenly become infused with this thing that makes us just terrified poison and, it's poison and, yeah and we're just we're just like i can't even engage with this even though yeah. some of this stuff is really good you know that yeah yeah taught. and 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 yet it just causes this massive cavern of of just fear and doubt and mm -hmm. trauma yes Woof. I think that's where a lot of the confusion comes from too, is because, because so much of it is truth, mm -hmm. right. Or is based on quote, good intentions or scripture or whatever it is, but then you see it manipulated and twisted. So now you don't know what to believe or what's true or good anymore. Right. And you can't trust good people who are saying, absolutely. Things. It's like, absolutely. You automatically walk into a room and you're like, are they good or yep. are they not? You yep. know, it's just, just being able to trust even just what people say and like and then you're yeah. kind of not in evangelicalism and church culture you like you walk into a church and then everyone's believing the same thing well are are they are they are they <laughs> yeah, yeah like are we are we all on the same page here yep. i talked to someone the other day that like teaches their children just because someone is a pastor doesn't mean they're interpreting scripture actually accurately and i was like okay that's a very wise thing to teach your child but so sad that your so experience sad. has led yeah. you to teach that to your child. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same. And well, and see, I've heard, I've heard parents and other people just like, because normally we instruct our kids to pay attention or listen to the grownups. Mm -hmm. And I've heard other grown up, other adults and friends say, it's like, actually, that's not always true because mm -hmm. grownups won't always tell you the right thing to do, or they might be wanting to hurt you in some kind of way. And it's like, yep. I hate that we have to teach our kids that, but it's, that's the way of the world today. Mm -hmm. And it's just really unfortunate and sad and grieving. Yes. And you're allowed so, to be afraid of Santa Claus. Yes. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Oh, my crazy. gosh. <laughs> yes. That's okay if you're afraid. So trust your uh, gut on that one. Yes. So anyway, so I went through that experience three times in mm -hmm. three different environments. Three times. The first time, three, mm -hmm. not necessarily in a row, but very yep. close. So the first time at a college with an older leader, mentor, figure admired second time someone who was very young mm -hmm. and then I had a short break for about two years and then ended up where I was now with someone who's basically my contemporary but it's just getting it getting hit from all sides of it 
And I had had enough. So when yeah. we left, when I left the church in July of 21, I was like, I am absolutely done for a while. Mm -hmm. And I've got to figure all of this out because I don't know why it keeps happening to me. Mm. You know, a result of all the gaslighting is like, it must be my fault. So it must, yep. be, must be something I'm wrong the common with common denominator. <laughs> exactly. And we had already been seeing our counselor or therapist for a while. So we just kind of dove into the topic head first. It's like, I just, I'm in a tailspin. I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know which way is up right now. And I just help, just help. And she, she is a trauma informed therapist, which was, extreme i'm grateful for because that's yeah. not why we started going to her right but that helped to process all of this stuff and then finding these books and finding these resources and chasing the rabbit holes got me to the place where i was like okay i can name spiritual abuse i can define it i can name trauma and define it and after about a year and a half of doing that work and processing through the trauma and the abuse i was like i think i might be in a place where i feel like i'm doing better and i'm not doing great but i'm definitely better than i was and i think i actually have a framework for how i want to help other people because everywhere around me i see people dealing with the same thing and i hate that we're all here mm -hmm. absolutely did you have when you were like doing research did you have something that you how were you defining it at the time you just calling it church hurt what were you Googling? What were the things that you? Were yeah. Doing? Well, yeah. I mean, it, I think it starts with church hurt because that's kind of the phrase that people hear. And then once I got my brain around the term spiritual abuse, I was like, oh, okay. And then of course, everyone quotes the body keeps a score. So I forced myself through that one. Mm -hmm. And then through that one, learned, learned trauma and then found books on religious trauma and just started doing that whole thing. So just coming up with definitions and just kind of collecting all these in a master Google doc. For my brain <laughs> and figuring it out from there. Yeah. Yeah. And then at what point did you say, yeah. So you said that I want to help people and help make sense of this. Where did the vision for Broken to Beloved come from? Because last year was the first year, right? April. Mm -hmm. Wait, I guess mm -hmm. that's this year, right? <laughs> uh, April wow. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. April of this so year. Yeah. Still 2023 at the time um, of this So it didn't start as Broken to Beloved. It started as a six week cohort which I call through, which is based on the children's book going on a bear hunt. Because <laughs> <Okay. laughs> we can't it. go around it, can't go over it. You just got to go through it, right? Mm. And that came up from a friend, Amy. I was speaking at her summit. She does an Enneagram summit, and I also do Enneagram coaching. But she said, what do you want to talk about? I was like, this sounds crazy, but do you want to talk? Like, can I talk about like spiritual abuse? <laughs> she goes, what? We have to do that. And so it just got all my wheels turning. And then that's what kind of turned into the cohort. So I, I created a framework for a six-week cohort to lead people. You know, and the, the story of that is like, because I over-identified myself as broken for so long, mm -hmm. I literally walked into this last church interview with the pastors and elders and said, listen, they would be like, hey, why should we hire you? And my answer was, well, actually, you don't want to hire me because I'm damaged goods. Mm. let me just disqualify myself to you now because you don't want me because I'm broken and I'm really damaged. So you don't want me here. And so I recognize that I was wearing that as my identity. Mm -hmm. And so through KJ Ramsey's book, through all these other books that identified Wade Mullen, something's not right. And all these other things, it's like, Oh, okay. So maybe I'm not the problem. Yeah. 
maybe there's stuff broken in the system. And it's not to say I'm not blameless for a lot of things, because I certainly am. But it was developing a framework for what does it look like to move out of my brokenness and to actually name the things that have happened to me, because we can't heal what we can't name. Mm -hmm. So naming things is really important. Recognizing where I am in time and space so that I can pull myself to the present and recognize when I'm safe, when I'm not, when I'm triggered or activated, when I'm not. And then using all the polyvagal theory stuff that she includes in there and then recognizing how embodiment is so important mm -hmm. and breath practices and mindfulness things and moving forward so that we can recognize, identify, and then embrace our belovedness as our actual identity, not our brokenness. So the cohort came first in October of 2022. Mm -hmm. It went really, really well. I did it again in January of 23, which is the beginning of the year that we're recording. And so coming out of those two cohorts, I was like, man, it seems like there's an audience for this and a need for it. Mm -hmm. And all the books that I have read have done a really great job defining terms for me. They do a good job of validating experiences and telling stories. I've read almost nothing that offers what now? Mm -hmm. Like, I just don't know what to do. Like, okay, great. Thanks for sharing the information. But what do I actually do now? Because I still feel stuck. Mm -hmm. So the whole point of the Broken to Beloved Summit, which came from the bookends of the cohort of Starting Broken and Ending Beloved, was to invite all the authors that I had read and the resources that I had found online and get them in one place and just say, great, what now? What now? What yeah. now? And to make it practical, right? So the whole tagline I use for everything is finding a pathway toward healing and wholeness. Mm -hmm. When you were describing yourself as broken, when you would walk into these interviews, what did that mean to you? Was that, yeah, just expound on what that meant and Ooh. then how was that showing up for you? I don't know if I've ever been asked that question. I just felt broken. Mm -hmm. Like my whole brain was unsure of what to believe or what was right or wrong. I'm also an Enneagram one, which is very right, wrong, black, white minded. I always think I have to do things the right way. So for me, it was always a, well, if I was fired from this place or if I had to leave because I was so toxic, what did I do wrong? Mm -hmm. But other people loved me and it was just this group. So maybe it was, maybe it was them, but maybe it was me, but I'm not sure. And I think I'm really good at my job. And people tell me I'm good at my job, but the pastor just told me I'm not and that he needs to replace me because the board told him so, even though they've never given me feedback in any of my reviews mm. that anything needed to change when I've been asking for them for years. So it's it's all that kind of stuff that yeah. in your brain messes with you. It's also the the second place that we left. We were friends with the pastor and his wife. We graduated together. We were alumni together. I was like, we thought we were friends. We hung out at each other's houses. And then to do something like that and to feel so stabbed in the back, really, it was a, it was just kind of whiplash, right? It's like, what, right. what, what happened there? And so right. what's wrong with me and what's wrong with my relationships? Because I thought we were okay, but apparently not because then this happens. So walking into this last interview to just say, hey, I'm damaged goods. I'm broken. I mean, that's, really what it was. And then I had had two years at another church where I genuinely thrived for two years. And I was like, oh, there's actually a different way to do things. Yeah. And I didn't realize that. And then we experienced more trauma. One of our best friends passed away tragically in a car accident. And so that threw everything in a tailspin mm -hmm. and dealing with the aftermath of that. So it was just kind of like, 
hey, we're really not in a good place right now for a transition or for something to change. And yet I felt so bound is not the right word I'm looking for, but I'm going to use it by the whole idea of if God wants to do something here, I don't want to close the door and say no. And I don't say that to over-spiritualize anything or myself, but it's just the words that came out of my mouth at the time. So we just kind of kept going with the process. And I remember the first several weeks slash months of having started this job, just trying to be really vulnerable with people and honest, just like, listen, I, I don't come here pretending I'm perfect in any way. I'm really broken right now and we need help just so you know that. And I might have some answers or help for you, but I'm coming at it from a position of brokenness. And the more I do this work, the more I recognize how okay that really is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it kind of sounds like as you're describing what brokenness was to you, it sounds like trauma, but it sounds like internalized 100%. trauma of this is somehow my fault. Like these outside messages and this trauma that I'm experiencing is yeah. somehow due to something that yeah. is potentially. Yeah. Like a well, and isn't that part of the toxic yeah. theology that a lot of churches exactly. teach is like that you are responsible for your sins and how they label everything as sin. So if something bad happened in your life, it must be your fault because you weren't holy enough. You didn't pray enough. You didn't whatever enough, right? And it's like not not taking into account any of the effects of abuse where the abused actually did nothing. It's like when a woman gets raped, oh, what were you wearing? How did you contribute? What perfume do you have? It's like, come on, really? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that's where I was mentally, emotionally, yeah. all the things. Yeah. And that thin layer of like, you must be sinning or God is like sanctifying you and is allowing these happen, these things to happen to like grow your faith or, you know, and like getting to that place, naming, as you said, getting to that place where you just, you're just able to point at it and just say, this was not okay, period. Like should never have happened. We should never, mm -hmm. have, should never have had to go through this. Like this was never an okay thing. When you got to your church, the last church, and you like, was this the church that you were saying, I am broken and I am damaged goods? Yes. And then that obviously didn't go. Did not pan out. Well. Was that used against you? Uh, was what part used against me? The fact that you were open about your brokenness. Yes and no. I would say by the pastor, yes, because I think... He in the kindest way I can say this possible, he's a master manipulator. So I think he knew us coming in and me saying those things up front and they pitched themselves very much as, oh, well, we are a healing church. We're a place where people come so they can just receive and sit back and blah, 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 right? And But then, you know, six months, two months, four months, two years later, they're saying, oh, you're still praying for that thing? You're not healed yet? Are you not over that yet? Oh, right? It's that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. And so those are the major red flags that go up. It's like, maybe this is not such a great place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So pitching themselves as a healing place and then and then not not so much. Yeah. Maybe you used to be, but not so much today. Interested in listening to more than 40 archived uncertain podcast episodes? All you have to do is sign up to become a monthly supporter of five dollars or more. Becoming a monthly supporter will give you access to popular episodes such as Confessions of a Christian Parent, and When Bad People Do Good Things. 
You'll also get access to this episode without any interruptions from yours truly. Become a monthly supporter today by going to tearsofedian.org slash support. How would you say Broken to Beloved is creating a space that you would say is just like healthier than that? Like how, how are you seeking to make that a healthy space for people? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Thank you. I don't know. Cause I'm still figuring it out. One of the first words that comes to mind is honesty mm-hmm. and trying to be honest about whatever it is that we are feeling or naming or experiencing. Because one of the things I've learned is that when we try to push away or repress any of those things, we often get ourselves in trouble mm-hmm. um, because it's something is trying to be expressed there. And it doesn't mean that we allow rage or ranting to take place just because, because there are safe places to do, to do that too, but probably not within a general community, right? <laughs> within an intimate relationship, maybe, but not within a, an open space. So I think the, the honesty piece is one of them. I think the openness is another. Mm-hmm. Um, another word that comes to mind is kindness. Mm-hmm. I think there was an interview I did last year with David Gate, who does all that kind of typewriter poetry, which I love. And he said something that really has stuck with me ever since. And it's this idea that you can have all these progressive or not progressive, all these fundamentalist Christians or conservatives or evangelicals or whatever you want to call them, who go through this process of abuse and or trauma and then deconstruction and then leave the church or whatever it is but they don't actually examine or change anything and they just switch over to progressive liberalism or progressivism or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And they're still fundamentalists at heart. Absolutely. And I think the fundamentalist piece, the certainty that so many people carry doesn't make room for curiosity and kindness, which I think embodies a lot of what I'm trying to do is yeah. to be open and curious and kind because I also see voices online who just come across as angry all the time. Yeah. And it's like, I get it. There's room for that. I'm angry too. But, and there are times that I drive by the church and I'm like, can we just burn it all down? Mm-hmm. Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. I feel all that, but it doesn't, I don't feel helped or served by it. Mm-hmm. The Psalms, when I did an interview this morning and the Psalms are 75 to 80% imprecatory and lament. So there's plenty of room for honest, raw emotion, but there's also a time and place for it. And it doesn't have to be public. And I don't, Actually, here's a, here's a good thing. I don't need everyone to agree with me. Yeah. Because your experience is your own and you need to figure out how you're going to process it. Here's how I've processed mine. And I'm not going to prescribe anything to you that you should do it this way too. But I'm going to approach it with openness and kindness and curiosity and hopefully safety. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like that openness, kindness, curiosity can create that safety and 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 having that space where people can mm-hmm. kind of go on their own yeah. journey um and find their own their own yeah like find their own their own path and 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 that's also just sort of like anti the opposite of what we experienced in the church of like only me the person with the you know title can tell you Mm-hmm. what is helpful and what, what God is really saying and putting that agency back into each individual person yeah. is, mm-hmm. is not what we were taught church and we were taught not to trust ourselves in the church context. And so, yeah, I love that, that openness, 
openness, kindness, and curiosity. I love it. What are some of your hopes and dreams for the summit? Gosh, I hope that it's helpful. I hope that it feels practical for people. I hope that people walk away with a sense of, I mean, the three words I use most often are hope, healing, and wholeness. And I say that knowing that there is real harm done when others try to prescribe a timeline to your healing. Mm-hmm. that healing is not a destination, right? And I think Laura Anderson just wrote about this in her book. It's like healing is not a destination. It's not an arrival point. It's something that we are just doing probably for the rest of our lives. So when I say that, it's not like, hey, show up to the summit and you will be healed. Absolutely not. But I do hope it gives you really practical tools that you can walk away with and say, oh, this thing will help me, mm-hmm. right? This thing will t- t- help me to take a step. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, we had 1200 people register last year, which blows my mind oh. for trying something for the first time. Um, so I, it would be great to have as many or more, not because of numbers, cause God knows I hate numbers because so many churches are driven by it, but the idea that people are helped and, and moved in that direction of healing and wholeness and hope. I think so many of us who go through this kind of abuse or trauma walk away feeling so isolated, mm-hmm. broken, like you're saying, with a lack of agency or not empowered, that my hope is that you walk away with a sense of hope, feeling empowered and a sense of agency to take control of something in your life because so much of it has been stripped away from you. Mm-hmm. I think those are the kinds of things I hope for. Yeah, absolutely. And I think even just the reality that we can like walk into a space and it's, you know, 18 or whatever speakers all speaking on something similar. And so there's this awareness that like, at least all of these people have, have, (laughs) have some experience with this thing and have gone through this or understand Mm -hmm. this and that validation of like, yes, oh, people are talking about this and people see this as something that is really important and causes a lot of pain and deserves attention, deserves an entire summit. Yeah. Um, I think that that in itself is, is so validating and so helpful. What's, what is some information about this? What can you tell us about how folks can find the summit register if they're ready for it? Sure. We do have dates. We will be January 23rd through 26th. Last year was three days. I learned that was too short to pack that many speakers talking about trauma and abuse. So I'm spreading it out over four days and I'm inviting less speakers. So it's not so overwhelming every day. If you go to brokentobeloved.org slash subscribe, you can join my mailing list, which is where I'll probably send information first, or you can just follow me on Instagram, which are where I post when I have time to at broken to beloved. Okay. All right. I'll put all of this information in the show notes so folks can. Thank you. And I'm very excited uh, to be there and to be a part of it, watch all of the speakers. And uh, is there anything else that you want to share about Broken to Beloved, the cohort, your journey, anything? No, I, I mean, we are like you, a 501c3. So if you're looking for someone to support or an organization, this is the work that we're trying to do. So you can just go to same broken to beloved.org and you can find all the stuff there. I'm super grateful for you and your work and having stumbled across you last year. I, I love and support the stuff that you're doing as well. Grateful to have you at the summit twice now. Um, and just love doing the work with you. 
Yes. I'm glad to partner in this with you as well. Thanks so much. Thank you. This is a podcast of Tears of Eden, the community and resource for survivors of spiritual abuse. This podcast is produced, recorded, edited, and hosted by me, Catherine Spearing. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please take a moment to like, subscribe, or leave a review. Thank you for listening.